Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Yeah, God. <laughs> um, gosh, I, I, Stella, I don't, I don't know if you're in the spirit or I'm in the spirit, but one of us is in the spirit. Because uh, <laughs> uh, your praise and worship was just all in our message and what I wanted to say. Um, but uh, just the pre-chorus, Lord, we stand amazed in your presence, astounded by your mercy and love. Our hands are lifted high and surrender. Your grace for me is always enough. There is no one higher than our God. There's no one greater than you. And I would make that personal because I always said, no, there's no one higher than my God. I always messed up. Um, <laughs> let my life forever praise the glory of your name. There is no one higher than you. Lord, we just thank you. You are a great God. Your mercy is always enough for us. And so we just thank you. We honor you. We lift up this day, this time unto you, our lives unto you, and that you do with it as you will, Lord God. And and when we're in your hands, we're in the best hands possible. And we know that you're going to do amazing things through us uh, individually and through this body as a whole and through the body of Christ uh, universally, Lord God. We thank you for all that you're doing. We're so grateful to see this year, this new year come in. And we're so thankful. And we look forward to this year with expectant hearts that you we will see the victory <laughs> that we're going to see the victory this year and if you didn't have victory in 2019 we are declaring in 2020 we will see victory so we just thank you and we bless you in jesus name we pray amen amen you may take your seats <laughs> uh, i was gonna try to sing it but i don't have the voice right now so um <laughs> But um, praise the Lord. Uh, isn't God good? This is mercy endures forever. Um, I'm grateful to be with you guys um, once again in the start of a new year. I'm uh, David Pratt, I think that's his name, who preached last Sunday. Yeah, now, he gave a great message, a great word. And so I'm going to build upon that, hopefully. I, um, I don't know if you guys do New Year's resolutions, and some people don't. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but um, I do. Uh, it's just an opportunity to look back and then to also plan forward. Um, so I always kind of look back over the year, past year, to see what was good and what was bad and what worked and what didn't work, and then try to do better the next year. Uh, but David gave, he said, my heart is fixed, and he gave us five things um, that we should uh, – in 2020, to make our faith strong, he gave us five things, and they were prayer, study and meditate on God's word, attend church gatherings, use your spiritual gifts, and consistency in those areas. And great, I mean, I think I'm knocking out four of them just today alone. So <laughs> we got prayer, study and meditate on the word, attend church gatherings, and I'm using a spiritual gift now. Ah, yes, we're good. So four in one day, way to go. Um, but, <laughs> but I just, when he's gave that, I was like, ah, this can be a part of my message, I mean, a part of my plan for 2020. Uh, and so I adopted those, and then I've added some things that I wanted to do personally, and I won't go into those. Um, but uh, before we go into the message, I looked up, there are 10 reasons why people don't stick to their New Year's resolutions. 
And I'm sure you could come up with your own reasons why you possibly didn't stick to yours in the past if you ever did it. Uh, but 10 is not believing in yourself. Uh, we don't congratulate ourselves enough. enough. Uh, we look at things as uh, black or white or hot or cold. And sometimes we can uh, progress in a goal and may not achieve where we want it to, but we've made progress and we should congratulate ourselves in that. Um, but oftentimes, if we don't meet just that mark that we set, we get discouraged. So when we don't believe in ourselves, we have the wrong perspective. Uh, we quit dwelling on what you have not accomplished and focus on what you have accomplished instead. Uh, so a lot of times we have the wrong perspective, even in going into creating our, our goals or resolutions for the year. We have the wrong perspective. We have a lack of honesty. <laughs> Are we truly committed to running a marathon or losing the weight or whatever else you're committing to do? Uh, let's be honest with ourselves. And so a lot of times we're not honest with ourselves, and so we create goals or resolutions that we really don't want to do. Uh, but it sounds nice on paper, or it looks nice on paper, or it sounds nice that we want to do that. Uh, so we may tell ourselves, hey, this is something I want to work on. But in actuality, I don't, I'm not committed and don't have the energy or whatever to work on that. So we are not honest with ourselves. A lot of times we don't have a plan. That's number seven. No plan. The best resolutions are those that actually include a plan of action. So a lot of times we may have a resolution to everyone wants to lose weight or some people may want to gain weight. I don't like those people who want to gain weight, but, um, <laughs> but we don't create a plan around the weight loss or the weight gain. Uh, we have we create unreal, unrealistic resolutions. Um, if I'm making ten dollars an hour and this year I say I want to make six figures, that's probably a little bit <laughs> uh, unrealistic. So maybe we should say um, I'm making ten dollars an hour. Maybe I want to bump that up and look for a new job that pays twelve or fifteen. I don't know, whatever the case may be. But not saying that God can't do the impossible. He can't. Uh, but. Um, that's number six, financial burden. So sometimes we don't take into account uh, when we create our resolution or plan the financial stake it may take in paying for gym costs or paying for a personal trainer or the time you will have to take outside of your your job to work on your particular goal or resolution. Uh, time management is another one. If you know you work 12-hour shifts like I do sometimes, then after those 12 hours, I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> So much, so many times, uh, even after working eight hours, some of you is like, I don't feel like doing anything else. And so we have to take into a time, account that time management, especially when you have other obligations. Uh, we give up too easily, whether we're discouraged or simply lose interest. By February or March, we may throw in the towel <laughs> and say, I'm done with this. Forget that resolution. Uh, number, number two, uh, extremely lofty goals. Uh, some of us want to solve world peace. I read this. Uh, but maybe we should just read War and Peace first before we solve <laughs> world peace. <laughs> and the last thing is that we oftentimes go at it alone. And so many times we need others to support us in our endeavors, uh, whether it be a resolution or whether, whether whatever goal that you're trying to achieve, whether it be spiritual or physical. Uh, it is good to have a team of people with you that are walking in the same direction that you're wanting to go into and can encourage you, that great crowd of witnesses 
there's always I'm, I think I mentioned before when I'm running, if I see other people running or see other people see other people in general, I tend to run harder because people are around me. Now when they're not there, I walk and do whatever else. But uh, and that's why there are so many crowds along races. They have people along the race because they encourage you and cheer you on, and so you're encouraged by that and kind of keep going. Um, so with that being said, we my title. Um, and this is a, I think, two-part series. I'll, I'll preach again later in the month. Uh, but hindsight 2020, responding to regret, learning not to fret. And so today we're going to focus on responding to regret. Uh, and I thought about this because a lot of times in the beginning of the year, we think about the past year and possibly this year, and or life in general. It's one of those markers where we kind of think about the past sometimes uh, and what we want to do going forward. And sometimes you may have regrets. There may be some may have been some bad decisions that you made in 2019 um, that you might want to recalculate and recalibrate and say, "Hey, I made a bad decision on that. Let me try to change things up." Because if you don't, you may wind up making the same bad decision again, uh, and that's what we don't want you to do. A lot of times, we've made a bad decision in a particular area. And so we may have regret in that area. So we don't go back to that again. So if I try to lose weight, for example, and I wasn't successful, then I say, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to go back to that because I have a regret that I didn't do what I was supposed to do and I didn't eat right and didn't go to the gym and I wasted my money on the gym membership and my uh, trainer called me every morning. I let it go to voicemail and so I just didn't do what I was supposed to do. <laughs> um, and so then I won't ever do that again and I don't go towards that goal again. It is my desire in the new year that we make realistic goals for ourselves, our families, and our church body. That we don't look at the glass as half empty or half full, but we look at it honestly and without regret. Uh, we might experience regret in two, for two reasons. One, because we made a bad decision or because of sin in our life. Either way, our response to regret will be similar or, or often the same. So we're going to look at six ways to respond to regret, um, and then I have a, two, two different individuals in the Bible that we're going to look at. And then my next one in this whole this two-part series, I hope, is learning not to fret. So we're going to look at responding to regret, and then we're going to focus on the next message, learning not to fret, uh, not being afraid. So my verse that we're going to focus on, and we're not really going to read this now, but 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 10, 9 through 10. And so we'll get to that later. But the six things I want us to look at as far as responding to regret, or five, I think it's five. Let me, no, I, let me go. Let me look to see. Sometimes I change up. Oh, it's five, okay, because I took away one. <laughs> one was somewhat repetitive, I think. Uh, so the five things we're going to look at. So number one is ask for forgiveness, or more importantly, forgive yourself. Uh, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. This can be the most difficult of the five uh, because people oftentimes are not willing to forgive themselves. Uh, they can forgive other people and they can let their mistakes go by other people's mistakes go by. But a lot of times we are hard on ourselves and we can't or sometimes don't want to forgive ourselves or that past mistake, or that misjudgment, or even that sin or that thing you did wrong 
in, your, in the past. And sometimes that may creep up and haunt you. And there you don't go back to that ever again. You, you don't even put that on your prayer request because, you know what, I regret that I did that and it's living with me now and I'm not even going to go back to that. If God forgives us, how much more should we forgive ourselves? Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation, which is penalty, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And how much more is it that he does not want you to be condemned because he's taking that penalty for you? He himself has become sin, but he knew no sin, so that you could be the righteousness of God. He wants us to forgive ourselves for whatever it was, whether it was a bad judgment and how we spend our money uh, frivolously on things that we can't now see or find or where did that all go, or if it was <laughs> the bad decision of not spending time with your kids or your loved ones, and you look back over the year and it's like, man, I really didn't do the things that I should have been doing with my family. And you may have some regret in that. And this is the opportunity to say, hey, I, I wish I had done better, and now this, I'm going to take the opportunity now to do better. I'm not going to allow that regret or that missed opportunity to foreshadow what is going forward, but I'm going to make sure that I change that up. We're going to look at how we can do that later. The second thing we're going to do, we're going to live in the present moment. So Matthew 6, 34, it says, if you turn there, Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. <laughs> and I like the way it says that. How many of you, you have enough trouble for today, right? We don't need to worry about tomorrow's troubles, or we don't need to worry about yesterday's troubles, because that's past. Uh, but we need to learn to live in the moment. And it's just not some uh, new age um, <laughs> psychological, spiritual movement that I'm talking about, but learn to live in the moment. And learning to live in the moment means that we're going to be content with where we are and what we have. First uh, Timothy 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we will carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which draw men into destruction and prediction. For the love of money is the root of all evil, or money of all kinds of is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But more importantly, contentment, godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, how, many, how many times are we so worried about tomorrow and what's going to go on in the future? Uh, my son is in the process of, and I, I have to catch myself, uh, of applying to college. He's going to college in the fall. He's looking at going to a conservatory. And so, and this process is different from when I went to a regular college. I'll call it regular college. Uh, you know, you send an application, and then they, they send you back, yeah, you got in, and you got to pay us $100,000 to go. <laughs> That's how it was. <laughs> but it was a little bit different because it's definitely much more 
subjective in that he had to send in audition tapes to various schools and with those because he wants to go to play the violin so with those audition tapes then they call him back or ask request that he come in for a live audition so we've been <laughs> really stressed I, well I was I don't know about the rest of them I think they probably were too uh, not stressed but I would say just you know we pray that everything works out. And uh, so he sent in audition tapes that were due November, early December. And so he got callbacks from uh, several other schools or emails saying that we want you to now to come in for a live interview, uh, a live audition, I should say. And so once you do the live audition, then from there, they make a determination whether you can get into the school or not. And so it's just kind of been like, oh, God, when is, I'm ready for this to be over with because it's, you know. <laughs> uh, and he's gotten callbacks from or for four of the five schools, uh, and a lot of the callbacks were going to be uh, busy in February traveling up and down the East Coast. <laughs> Ohio, Boston, New York. Well, not New York yet. We're waiting on New York, Georgia, and one here in Virginia. Um, but with that being said, I say all that to say, you know, very concerned about his future. I am, and me and his mother are very concerned about how things will go and, you know, hope he gets into where he would like to go and uh, keeping his options open and the financial aspect of that uh, is really is important to me and his mother. Uh, and so just kind of looking at, well, if he goes here, it costs this much and what are they going to offer and just all those things that come with that. And so you can overwhelm yourself as a parent thinking about your kid's future and what you want them to do and how you want them to go, whatever that will look like. So sometimes I have to take a step back because I don't want to put pressure or, or stress my, my child, my son out, or either one of them. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I have to step back and say, let's just live in the moment. Let's just enjoy where we are. Let's enjoy. I had to tell him this morning, I, I, I was pinching his cheeks and saying, you're going to not be here in the fall, and i got to love on you as much as I can now because uh, you're not going to be here possibly. Uh, you may be somewhere else in the fall. And so uh, enjoying the moment enjoying his presence now. How much more does God want us to enjoy the moment, just take life a little bit slower, enjoy his presence, um, just like in our worship today, not worrying about food or whatever that may be on your mind, but really enjoying his presence in the moment. So living in the present moment. The third thing we need to do to uh, respond to regret is give up control or realize that you are not in control. <laughs> That's more important because you can say you can give up control, but really you were never in control to give it up. So it's more realizing that you are not in control. Um, Psalms twenty two twenty eight says, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. He rules over all and is in all. Job 12, when he was responding to his friends, uh, says in verse 7, starting in verse 7, he says, But now ask the beasts, and they will teach you, and the birds of the air, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, and the fish of the sea will explain to you who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this, and then whose hand is life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. We are in his hands, and he is in control. We can't worry one, we can't change anything worrying about it. We can't 
add any height or hair to our head. <laughs> I can't uh, change the gray in my beard worrying about it. It only make it worse, actually. Um, <laughs> but I can't change anything. God is in control. And when we submit to that and realize that he is in control, then our lives become a lot easier because we're able to accept what God has in our lives. And contentment becomes a lot easier because I can live in the present because I know he is in control. It's not, I can't will this to be, I can't make it happen. God is in control. Uh, The fourth thing is think positive. Responding to regret. Getting rid of woulda, coulda, shoulda. Well, I wish I woulda, I shoulda, I coulda done better. Let's get rid of that thinking. Let's not take that into 2020. Uh, because woulda, coulda, shoulda ain't going to make it. <laughs> it's not going to change anything right now. And so we're going to look forward in what we're going to think positive on what we have. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do, and God and the God of peace will be with you. This is what we should be meditating on, the positive things, these things, not, well, I don't have enough, and so... I got to figure out how I'm going to do this. And no, that's not what we should be focusing on. Let's meditate on these things. Not that you should not neglect your obligations in this world, um, but they should be not. They shouldn't be your main focus. And then last, uh, practice gratitude. First Thessalonians five says, "Rejoice always." Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Or this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, and, we're gonna, and, and Romans 8, 28 says, For we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. How can we give thanks in everything? If we pair that with Romans 8, is because we know all things work together for the good. So I can give thanks in everything if I know that all these things work together for my good. The good and the not so good, <laughs> the pretty and the not so pretty, the good decisions and the bad decisions, they work together for my good. And he says all things, not some of the things or not some of your decisions that you some decisions you may work together, and the bad decisions, they're tearing. No, all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And so in practicing gratitude, it is an understanding that he is in control, <laughs> and all those things are working together for my good. So looking at how we respond to regret and those five things that mentioned before we're going to look uh look at two individuals uh, that had some regret i would say in their life and how they and their ends were very different and i pray that you will follow one and not the other so we'll get peter and judas peter and judas
some of you may kind of figure out where we're going with this. Because <laughs> they both denied Christ. Uh, but one turned away from that and one killed himself. Peter was committed to Jesus, but he made a poor decision based on fear and later denied knowing Jesus at least three times. He deeply regretted his actions. In Luke 22, uh, 54, 62, uh, but specifically 61, we'll look at it. It says, and, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter, so Peter went out and wept bitterly. It says he had ran out and wept bitterly. So he regretted that because he, he wept bitterly. He was hurt the fact that he made poor decisions. He felt like he probably let Jesus down. And I'm sure he was like, man, you know, these people knew I was a part of Jesus, but I refused to admit that. And he wept bitterly. In Mark 16, 5 through 6, and it says, uh, well, before we get there, so how many, how many times have we felt like we've disappointed God or disappointed Jesus? <laughs> not just today. No, we're not counting just today. <laughs> but how many times, you know, we can find ourselves in Peter's shoes and feel like we've made some poor decisions and we've gone against God in some ways and maybe made a, you know, just made a bad decision, made a bad choice in life and has caused us to go and weep bitterly, <laughs> to run away from, from God, uh, it seems, and go and weep and feel sorry for what we've done or the decision we've made. Uh, Mark 16, 5 through 7, it says, um, and, and I think this is important to see how these ends are different and, uh, and see the love of Jesus in this. It says, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting at the right side, and they were alarmed. This, so they saw an angel when they went to the tomb. And, but he said to, to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where he see the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you in Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. And so it struck me, why would he say and Peter? Because he could have just said, you know, go tell my disciples, right? Well, maybe I'm going to take some um, some biblical licensing, it said maybe Jesus knew, or the angel knew that Jesus, um, that Peter may have felt distant because of the decision he made. And maybe he needed a special invitation to know that I'm still open to you coming back to me, even though you made a bad decision. Because he could have just said, go tell my disciples that he is going before them to Galilee. But he said, go tell my disciples and Peter, because maybe Peter felt like he wasn't a disciple anymore because he's denied Christ. And he ran off and, and wept and probably felt despondent and discouraged. But the angel knew <laughs> that Peter may have needed a, a way of saying, I'm here. As the, the prodigal son went off and the king was still sometimes waiting at a distance to see him. This is Jesus saying, I'm waiting for you to come back, Peter. I want you to come back. He's saying the same to you with your regrets. He wants to restore you. He wants you to return to him. He wants you not to.
belabor in those things or the past, but really come to me, let me restore you, and then we can go forward. At the same time, Judas was filled with regret, regret after he realized he betrayed the Messiah. Uh, Matthew 27, 3 through 5 says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had, had been condemned, was remorseful and bought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is this to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Regret can lead to self-destruction, but God wants it to lead us to repentance. And so worldly regret can leave you to self-destruct, to harm yourself and others around you. And how many of us know people, not, not, to the, not, that, not that they're hanging themselves, but they're willing to die a sinner. They're willing to destroy themselves and the lives around them because maybe they have some regret. Maybe they've done some things that they're not happy about. and They can't move forward. They don't see Jesus with his arms wide open saying, come to me, come to me. I'm here for you. Come to me. And maybe they're waiting for you to tell them, hey, Jesus is here for you. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be despondent. You don't have to destroy yourself and the others around you. You don't have to have that negative attitude. You don't have to be that person who's always angry. God is here. and He wants you to come to him with his arms wide open. He doesn't want you to die a sinner. Maybe he's given us the opportunity to speak to them. But that regret can lead to self-destruction. Two men betrayed Jesus that night when he was crucified. Judas had a worldly sorrow or regret, and his life ended. Peter had a godly sorrow or repentance, and his life was transformed. We have the same choice as these men. When we face regret, we can let it consume our lives, and we can lay fault at our feet or at the feet of Jesus and turn from him. Or we can take that regret and lay it at his feet and turn to him and let him restore us. The choice is ours, as is the choices with Judas and Peter. Uh, Lamentations 3. 22 and 23 it says the Lord's mercies are not the Lord's mercies we are not because of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness God is faithful and he's wanting us to reflect on 2019 as we go into 2020 or as we are in 2020 and realizing that whatever mistakes, habits, disappointments, bad decisions, sin that you may have had in 2019, this is your opportunity to turn from that and repent and let him restore you so that you can go on and live a transformed life as he wants you to. His, his mercies are new every morning. And sometimes you may question, like, why do we need new mercies every morning? Because <laughs> I mess up every day, and I need his grace and his mercy every day. 
all the time. <laughs> they are new. So I beckon you on today to um, allow the Holy Spirit to come and restore you, that you open up your hearts, that you turn from your bad decisions or whatever whatever it may be. I'm not, it could run the gamut, whatever it is that may be holding you back, that is causing you to second guess or to uh, to say, no, I can't do that again because I was hurt, or I can't forgive that family member because they hurt me, or I can't go there because that hurt. It is my prayer that you give that to the Lord and that he restores you and that you do not live in any regret. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.